From the Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Discerning Marriage Podcast, hosted by Elizabeth Busby. Hello, hello. It's Elizabeth here. Welcome back to the Discerning Marriage Podcast. Y'all, I am pumped about today's episode. This is one of those episodes that I have been dreaming about since I started uh, the podcast, Some a topic that I really want to share with you. And the Lord just dropped someone perfect in my lap to discuss it with you. Uh, it's licensed. Well, what is your license in? It's not marriage and family therapy in Florida. So I have, I'm duly licensed. It's licensed marriage and family therapy oh, awesome. and licensed mental health counselor. Yeah. There we go. Her name is Regina Boyd. Hi, Regina. Hi. Thanks I'm for having so excited. me. Oh, thank you for being here. So Regina and I are going to have a kind of collaborative discussion about the Gottman method. So it's mostly interview um, on her part. I'm going to be interviewing her, but also I love the Gottman method so much. So I may chat a little more in this episode with her um, than I normally do because this is something I'm passionate about. So We'll get into it, of course, but the Gottman Method is basically a powerful resource for cultivating healthy and happy relationships. And as a licensed marriage and family therapist myself, it's really the primary therapeutic modality I use when working with couples because it's just so good. So um, Regina is actually level two Gottman trained. There are only three of them, so she's really far along in the training process, um, definitely where I am hoping to go. And she, of course, utilizes it in her practice too. So very much an expert on the Gottman Method. And I I'm just so pumped that she's joining us. So are you ready to start? I'm ready. I'm excited. Anytime I get an opportunity to talk about Gottman's work, I'm very excited. So. <laughs> awesome. So without further ado, let's begin um, by you explaining for us who the Gottmans are and why we're so excited about them. Why does it matter? Absolutely. Doctors John and Julie Gottman are both psychologists and um, they basically created their own theory to approach marriage and family counseling um, called the Gottman Couples Therapy Method. And what, what they've learned over time, they are able to sit with a couple, observe them having a five-minute conversation, and they can predict with over 90% accuracy whether or not that relationship will end in divorce. Mm-hmm. And they've okay. done at least 40 years of research up until this point. And it's actual liter- peer-reviewed, literary, verified, validated research. This is legit stuff, not just a, like an idea in the sky. <laughs> right. Or like um, they're sitting with couples and are like, Ooh, after all my time, I've seen this, these patterns. So let me make exactly. a theory, which is how a lot of things kind of develop, but they don't, there's this research based. Exactly. It. It's research based through the hundreds or if not thousands of couples that they've worked with over the years. And um, it really just gets to the heart of what are those qualities that healthy relationships have in common versus unhealthy. So what are those key factors that lead to divorce and what are the ones that protect a relationship against divorce? And so their whole theory is all based around how to help train couples to build those skills or enhance those skills they already have to protect their relationship and keep it healthy. And what I love about the Gottmans too, they focus on happiness also. They want you to have a satisfying, fulfilling relationship, not just don't get divorced, but they want you to genuinely enjoy your life as a married couple, which I feel like we don't see very much of in our current culture of people believing that marriage can actually be a lifelong happy relationship. 
Absolutely. I feel like it's just one of those times, um, you know, as a Catholic, when you get super excited where like research science and research backs up, you know, (laughs) church understanding or knowledge about something. And it's like, we already kind of knew that and we lived that, but it's like, yeah, like this is actually what really helps you to have a satisfying relationship or life in general. Mm, Love it so much. Um, Can you also explain the Love Lab? I just love the way they collect some of their data. And this idea is so creative that I think it really gives insight into how the Gottmans are so unique um, and also how their data is so trustworthy. Yeah. So feel free to correct me if I, you know, say anything wrong at this point, but basically the Love Lab, they kind of made their own little like chateau bed and breakfasty <laughs> thing, like hotel and couples come and stay and they have cameras throughout the whole place. And the bedroom and the bathroom. Not, right? Yes. Not the bed- <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> Just, yes, still respecting privacy in certain (laughs) ways, but um, cameras to observe their interactions or conversations. So they just hang out, they're talking, they're watching TV, they're eating food. And um, they've been able, again, this is part of their research, being able to confirm some of those traits of healthy versus unhealthy dynamics um, and being able to see that replicated over multiple cultures, multiple couples, different ages and so many situations. Um, and so it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Just people volunteering to say, yeah, sure. I'll go for one day, one night overnight and like, let you see us, check us out. And that's how they collected a lot of data. I love it. And one of the other things I love about the Gottman, so please elaborate if you, um, have anything to add to what I'm about to say, but so much of what they do research wise is they really want to look at people's objective responses. So they'll hook you up to like heart rate monitors and those sorts of things. So they can see as a couple is having a discussion that may end up, um, becoming an argument or something where their heart rates are, how they're able to, um, relate from a a physiological perspective to the other person. Are they getting into fight or flight mode? Are they flooded is, um, well, I always affiliate flooded with Gottman's, but I think that's just like a regular psychological term, right? Like flooded, but basically you can't like think clearly. Right. Um, and they allow that data that they're getting in real time from these couples to influence the way they do their therapy. So like they'll hook people up to heart rate monitors. And then if one of the one or both of them, their heart rate goes above a certain point, they'll stop the conversation like in the therapy room and, you know, Mm -hmm. help them do exercises to calm down. So I love that kind of intentional approach, um, incorporate, it feels, they're not Catholic, but it feels so Catholic to me, incorporating the body and the emotions and the psychology. And like, I just, I love that it incorporates all of that into the dynamic of the couple because God created us as such integral beings. So did you have anything to add? That's my, one of my favorite Gottman things. No, I love that too. And that it happens in the moment as opposed yes. to a lot of times in therapy, we give homework and we say, go work on this for a week. But I love that it's happening in whatever the clients and the families are bringing to you right in front of you. And so, okay, clearly your heart rate has gone you know, over that threshold hundred beats per minute. So let's calm you down. Let's do some self-soothing exercises. And then they have a skill, then they leave with a tool that they didn't have before they can use so that when the next argument happens the next day, when the therapist isn't there, they're going to actually be able to do something about it. (laughs) Right. Like, oh, I'm too flooded. Like my heart rate's too fast. Let's calm down. We're not going to go anywhere in this discussion. Yes. I love it so much. Yeah. I feel like it affirms dignity in a sense. It gives you the ability to have a sense of 
power or an autonomy of, over yeah, yourself, autonomy. right? It yeah. really allows for you to work with your humanity as opposed to getting around your humanity or seeing your humanity or your body as a burden to communion. It right. allows for you to enter into that so much more fully and recognize God created our bodies to function in certain ways. Let's work with them to allow yeah. us to um, thrive in our relationships. <laughs> Can you tell yeah, I'm so sure. obsessed? <laughs> I, love I love that. Okay. So this is something, Regina, that I'd really love for you to elaborate on for us. The Godmans have what they call the sound relationship house, which are these seven different, um, I guess, how would you describe them? Steps, pillar, not pillars, seven different like levels. I don't know, things that make up the house and allowing all seven of these to flourish in your relationship will really give you a firm rooting, um, in a healthy and happy relationship. So will you go into what the sound relationship house is? I kind of already gave you a, a teaser, but go into what it is, why it's helpful. And then I know it's a lot, but could you describe the seven for us? And yeah, yeah, let's do it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the sound relationship house is uh, the, the way they approach their theory of working with a couple. So um, what are, and it's a way to kind of triage and say what elements of the house of this relationship, I'm kind of like summarizing here. Sure, I'm, sure. I'm not using their exact words, <laughs> but you know, if your relationship were a house, what parts of the house do we need to focus on? Because maybe you have a good foundation. Maybe there's already something that you do well as a couple, but you know, another area we need to go fix the stairs or, you know, rehabilitate some other part of the house. And so they really pull out the elements that happen within a relationship. Um, so the first three levels of the sound relationship house constitute friendship um, and their relationship. So they talk about love maps, I think is the first mm -hmm. level. And that's really just, do you know that inner world of your spouse or your partner? Um, how well do you know about their worries, their stresses, their joys, their, you know, who their best friend is, what their favorite restaurant is? So what is that? Do you have like a good map in your mind of all of that, those inner worlds of your beloved? And that really just lays the foundation again for, the, for to have a strong relationship. The second level is fondness and admiration. So that is an antidote to contempt, which is one of the four horsemen that they talk about. Um, one of the things that we always want to avoid as Gottman therapists, we want to, anytime we see contempt come out in a session, we try to redirect the conversation um, because it really can poison. And so fondness and admiration focuses on the amount of affection um, and respect within a relationship that a couple has for each other. The third level is turning towards. So it's all of those everyday moments, um, small moments of everyday life that are kind of like the building block of a relationship. You have an opportunity to either turn towards or turn away from your beloved. So for example, in the love labs, I love some of the examples that they give when they, you know, you watch a YouTube video or you see some of them play them some clips from the love lab videos and there will be, you know, somebody looking out the window. One of the spouses is looking out the window and there's a harbor and, boats and somebody will say, oh, look at that boat out there. Wow, isn't that a nice boat? And um, the other spouse is on the couch reading the newspaper and says absolutely nothing. Mm. And so that's an example of a failed bid for connection. The person who said, look at the boat, 
um, was trying to get a moment of connection and attention of their beloved. And that was a failed bid. They turned away. They were more interested in the newspaper, essentially, than to care and even look up and say, oh, oh yeah, that is nice. And then go back and <laughs> to, the, to reading. <laughs> um, so, so this could be all, a physical yeah. and emotional turning. It can be like you physically yes. turn your body your, toward or away, or you emotionally, like the newspaper example, like emotionally, exactly. you didn't even move your body, right? You didn't even like make an attempt to. Right. Or acknowledge that there was a state, a sentence made at you. Right. Yes. (laughs) Um, So yeah, any type of positive connotation, whether it's humor, affection, acknowledgement, something. um, Yeah. It can be physically or mentally, emotionally. So those first three layers all apply to the friendship between a couple and they really view that as the foundation of the house. So that's why they have that kind of, if you see the chart online, they have those first three levels at the bottom of the house. Um, then they start getting into a positive perspective. Um, that's kind of into uh, what's the perspective of your spouse? Is it positive or negative? <laughs> do you, how do you feel about the relationship? There's lots of things that determine um, whether or not a relationship can be successful. And part of this is your ability to repair when an argument erupts. So um, if we generally overall have positive views about our spouse and our relationship, there's going to be more ability, more power sort of behind your ability to repair or attempts to repair a relationship. Then they get into managing conflict. That is a huge level. And I think that's where a lot of people find that they want support in their relationships is navigating all of those things that happen. A lot of times when people are getting into managing conflict, it's usually about some type of unsolvable problem that the Gottmans Mm -hmm. would say. (laughs) They have two Um, kinds. Yes. Can you elaborate? So they have two kinds of problems that couples Mm -hmm. go through in their relationships. Can you describe what the two different ones are? Yeah, so they have perpetual problems, and then they have um, solvable problems. Um, And perpetual problems are things that are sort of innate to a person. They're not necessarily going to change. Mm -hmm. Um, So, for example, you know, people joke about who's the early riser, who likes to stay up late, who's always late to places, who likes to be (laughs) 20 minutes ahead of time. (laughs) And certainly there are things that anybody can do to try to work to improve those areas of your life. But there's also some things that just kind of, are always going to be no matter what. <laughs> yep. And there's not much we can do about it because when you marry someone, you marry their set of problems, yep. so to speak. Yep. And a lot of times couples fall into that trap of thinking, well, you know, if I had married, you know, Mark instead of Mike, then, you know, I would always, I'd be more on time to things. <laughs> but what they don't realize is that if you married Mark instead of Mike, yeah, you'd be on time, but you'd have to be dealing with him being up late at night or mm-hmm. something else. So there's some set of, and a lot of, most couples, when they get into what they call gridlock or just really not being able to get past a conversation, it's just like you're having the same argument over and over and over again that's a good sign that it's a perpetual problem Mm -hmm. and probably not something that you're actually going to be able to solve. (laughs) But I don't want that to sound hopeless. I I actually think it's the opposite of hopeless. I love that the Gottmans liberate you to realize I don't have to to fix all of this stuff in order to be happy. Like it's okay if there's stuff that you have in your relationship um, or if you're discerning marriage with someone, there's stuff you're like, oh, this isn't a make or break, but this is something that 
I'm, I, it's difficult for me to, you know, it rubs up against my own sensibilities in a certain sense. Uh, but the Gottmans are like, well, couples are going to have things you can't fix and you have to learn how to, I, this is not their language, but disagree with dignity, have, you know, utilize skills, the Gottman skills to allow yourself to engage in that dialogue with them. Um, and be at peace with the fact that like this side of heaven, you're just not going to fix it. And so it doesn't have to be something that destroys your relationship. You just got to figure out how to live with it. I think it's absolutely. I think it's great. I I agree. And I think there is a freedom there in saying, okay, let's just figure out how to navigate this and how to have a conversation about it versus what's the solution. Yes. How to have a conversation. Yes. yes, Exactly. Exactly. And so that's why they break it into the solvable versus unsolvable. So when it's a solvable issue, you know, what should we do for Thanksgiving? How do you want to spend (laughs) the holidays? You know, whatever it might be, then we can have some rules around, okay, what kind of solution do we want to come up with? Or, you know, should we move? Should we not move? Right. Um, But always making sure that we have the respect of our spouse in mind when we're having those conversations. Are we, are we treating them with dignity when we are disagreeing? Can we still be respectful in the middle of that? And that makes all the difference. You know, the conflict's not going to go away, but how we handle the conflict makes a huge difference in how we perceive and feel about our relationship or feel about our beloved. So that I think is a huge gift that the Gottmans provide. Um, Absolutely. Love it. Let's see. Um, Okay. Yes. So we did love maps. Yes. um, Fondness and admiration, turning towards versus turning away. And then we moved on to, I can't remember the language you used, but it's positive and negative sentiment override. What language did you use for number four? I I think I just said positive perspective. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what the Gottman say. And then the fifth one, which was Managing managing conflict. There you go. So now we're getting into the attic, if you will. You can see the house building (laughs) and we're talking about making life dreams come true. Mm -hmm. And this is what you were talking about before, Elizabeth, about not just, you know, functioning and not getting, avoiding divorce, but having a thriving relationship. So um, being able to have an atmosphere in your relationship that encourages each person to talk openly and honestly about their dreams, their values, their convictions, their aspirations, And then moving into that, being able to create a shared meaning together. Um, So there's, again, those, all of those narratives, what are those internal thoughts, myths, stories that we tell ourselves Mm. um, and how as a couple or as a family, do we create rituals of connection? Mm. And those can be either formal or informal rituals that the Gottmans talk about. So a formal ritual is, you know, how do we spend birthdays in our family? How do we spend the holidays? How do we, you know, what do we do with baptisms? So what does that mean as a family? But then there's also informal rituals, like what do you do when somebody gets sick? What do you do when uh, anything happens? Somebody loses their basketball game, a kid loses at a game. And so there's all of these things that we in turn, we don't realize that we put a lot of meaning behind those things. Mm -hmm. And that can create some conflict when a lot of times when people are arguing about something, they don't realize they're arguing about an underlying meaning or value um, or some type of narrative they told themselves about that situation. Money's always a good example. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Like, there's arguments about money all the time, but there shouldn't really be an argument about money. It's basic math. Like you either yep. have the money to spend or you don't. <laughs> <laughs> <They're> good point. <laughs> 
But the reality is you're arguing about your beliefs about money. Mm. What you believe is important. Does amount, does money afford you power and influence or security? Mm. Um, whatever it might be. And so that that's what's important about having conversations around shared meaning as a couple, agreeing on what those symbols mean, um, being able to create a culture in your own family and your own relationship um, is so important. And then uh, the last two parts are the walls of the house, trust and commitment. So they just sort of put those on the side as the walls to the house. Um, and obviously trust occurs when a person knows that their partner um, has their best interest at heart. They want to maximize those benefits and then the commitment, believing that this relationship is completely lifelong for better or for worse, that mm. you're going to be there no matter what. And so if you can imagine it built as an actual house, if those walls of trust and commitment aren't there, you know, the whole house crumbles. And so it's kind of nice that they put that in that um, framework for you I to think it about so it. I love it's it. nice to talk about it with your couples and have them see the house and think about their relationship in that way. Amazing. So great. So we, you know, in talking about this, there's tons, I mean, we could literally do an episode on each of the different levels of the sound relationship. I mean, (laughs) it's a lot to go through them all in one, one kind of sitting, but I think it gives people a good overview of what there is out there to develop your relationship and to allow you to have a thriving marriage. And one of the things I think really stands out to me when I do kind of my marriage prep, marriage discernment work is so many of these things that the Gottmans talk about are really just good habits that people have built over time. So when someone's coming to, you know, one of us as a therapist, it's helping them. Part of the work is helping them recognize where have you built habits that aren't life-giving and aren't, you know, productive and how can we work to identify those and rebuild good ones so that you can engage in your relationship in these ways that we know from research are what are going to help you. Um, and so what I love about teaching this to people who aren't married yet is you have the luxury of time to recognize in yourself, what things are you inclined to do? What things, um, Maybe, maybe what did you learn in your house growing up? What was modeled to you by your parents? What kind of conflict style or communication style do you already have? And what do you want to change about that and start building the habits now in your, obviously you can do it in your romantic relationship, but with your friends, with your mom, with your siblings, with your boss, like you can practice these good habits all over the place with all sorts of relationships that will allow you to have a more solid foundation in your romantic relationship as you progress to marriage. So I love talking about it this early. And of course, there are so many things we could elaborate on. Um, And so if there's one thing that stands out to you, you can reach out to either Regina or I am offering you, Regina, (laughs) that I'm sure you'd be willing to answer questions for people. Um, Absolutely. And we can kind of, you know, point you in the right direction. Um, But from a kind of concrete perspective, what are some things that dating people can do um, in utilizing the sound relationship house before they're married? I think one of the biggest things that stand out to me are the perpetual problems versus the solvable problems. So when you're thinking about who is somebody suitable that, you know, is this somebody that I could actually see myself building a life with, you know, really making sure you're clear and not thinking, oh, you know, once we get married, then we can work on this or being very confident because there's a good chance that, you know, what you see is what you're going to (laughs) get and making sure that you're okay with that because there really are situations that don't change. 
And so I think that is, again, a trap that a lot of people fall into sometimes is thinking, well, you know, well, he's great. He's perfect. Except, you know, you know, if we just talk about this and we think we can talk people into things and it doesn't work that way. I mean, I, (laughs) I make a joke about, um, my husband and I remember one of the first arguments we had um, when we first got married was about like loading the dishwasher, whether we were loading the dishwasher properly or not. <laughs> I see the dishwasher thing come up so many times. It's like every couple works through this dishwasher yeah. issue. <laughs> it's like a serious issue. And is. in the beginning, we were naive enough to think like, okay, let me present my argument in a factual way. And this is why the plates lined up this way makes the most sense. And like, he thought the same thing. And eventually, like over the years, first of all, you realize, why am I wasting time talking about this? Yes, yes. (laughs) But then second of all, you know, it doesn't really, ultimately it doesn't matter. Like I should be happy that, you know, he chipped in and he's loading the dishwasher and I don't have to do it. And so let him, when he does the dishes, he can do it how he wants to. And when I do it, I can do it how I want to. And that's a perpetual problem that's never going to (laughs) change. And it's not worth our time. It's not worth the time. So that's like a silly example, but I think- It's so real though. Guys, you wait, the dishwasher issue will come (laughs) in your life. It's a real thing. But I do think when we're dating, a lot of times we think, you know, naively like that. Like, oh, if I just present my argument and tell and explain, then they will understand and they'll change and they'll see my point of view. And you have to be prepared for that not to ever be the case. And so- when you meet someone and you think you're going to marry them, you marry them for who they are in that moment in time and prepare for it not to change. Absolutely. <laughs> I would say is the biggest one. And Absolutely. then, you know, life dreams, talking about all those dreams, shared meaning, values are also really important as well. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. So from the Gottman Method as a whole, this will be my last question. Uh, we could talk about this forever, but for the sake of time. So one practical tip related to the Gottman method, we kind of talked about just kind of some concrete things people could take away and and utilize and, and think about. Um, but if there was one thing that someone was listening to this, maybe like on their drive to work or when they're doing the dishes or something, and there was one thing we wanted them to take away, or you wanted them to take away from the Gottman method that could help them discern marriage. Well, what would it be? Ooh, discern marriage. Well, um, let's see. I would say, Hmm. Maybe some of the communication tactics. So um, when we're talking about conflict, you know, he talks about soft startup. Um, So when you want to present an issue of concern, you know, is somebody just launching into like, you're so lazy, how could you do this versus like, hey, there's something on my mind. Do you want, do you have a moment to talk about that? So maybe I would pay attention to how somebody communicates concerns or frustrations and um, because those really are, re- the research shows those really are crucial in, you know, leading towards a more happy, thriving relationship. And so if you guys can get that communication thing down, it'll, it'll put you several steps ahead. Doesn't he say that the first three minutes of a conflict determine how it'll end? Like he can decide, he can like in those first three minutes, based on the startup, he can predict whether they're going to be able to resolve that or if it's perpetual to, to reach a, a charitable end or if it's going to blow up in your face in the first three minutes, guys. That's That's so short. I know it's crazy. And I think I heard something else, not from the Gottman's, but from another psychologist that the first four minutes, like how things happen when you, somebody first gets home from work, that determines how the evening will go. So if, you know, there's not like a happy greeting or, you know, there's frustration or chaos happening in the house. That's kind of like 
how the rest of the evening could potentially go to. Ooh, I like it. Yeah. Okay, guys. So yeah. practical tip, the next 24 hours of your life, um, or, you know, you would have a little bit longer until you find a conflict if you don't have conflict in 24 hours. So <laughs> pay attention, be very mindful of how you, you or your partner initiates the conflict, or if it's not your partner, you know, your boss or your mom or whoever, um, give yourself the reflection time to say, okay, how did we lead into this? How did they lead into this? And then how did it end? Right. And just see if you can start noticing these things, um, yeah. and drawing awareness to them. That was a great a fun one. experiment. Yeah. Oh, so fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Regina. I'm so grateful for your time and your expertise. And, um, I bet y'all could all hear in my voice, how excited I am to talk about this <laughs> and thrilled I am to find a new colleague and friend to get to, um, process my love for the Gottmans with and share it with all of you. So thank you so much, Regina. Thank you. Thank you. It's fun to be here. Awesome. And thank all of you for listening. I'm so grateful um, that you have come along for this ride. We have some links to some of the Gottman stuff in the show notes. And, And until next time, stay close to the heart of Jesus and be not afraid. The Discerning Marriage Podcast is brought to you by the Theology of the Body Institute. For more information about discerning marriage, visit discerningmarriage.com. To learn more about the theology of the body, visit tobinstitute.org.